Capes and Crooks, a superhero RPG utilizing core 5th edition rules with a unique twist. Take on the role of your own superhero, or villain. Completely customizable origins, powers, and enhancements. Utilize advanced technology to aid in your mission. Join us in Cobalt City and the ultra-modern world of Terra. Dive into the political intrigue and chaos of a world still adjusting to superpowered citizens. In a world where what is right and what is the law often conflict, how will you choose to use your powers and conceal your identity? Capes and Crooks is a complete RPG game with everything you need to create a super experience sure to delight your players. It includes over 300 pages of content with full color illustrations. There will always be good and evil, light and dark. There will always be Capes and Crooks. Now live on Kickstarter, please become a backer today and share with your friends. Hello, heroes. This episode is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Podcorn. If you don't know, Podcorn is an amazing marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and so much more. Yeah, actually, their mission is actually to give uh, podcasters some transparency and some creative freedom to uh, control uh, how they monetize things, actually. It's really cool. Yeah, it is pretty dope. And on top of that, you don't have to give up any rights for your podcast. And in fact, they are there to support you at every step of the way. And they also are there to ensure that you are protected and that you are compensated for your work. Which is actually really important for up-and-coming streamers or podcasters, anyone like that. Just like us. We, uh, trying to find sponsorships can be really challenging when you're smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, So Podcorn really gave us the opportunity even to do this ad that we're running right now was only made possible by Podcorn. Explore your sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast right now. Head on over to podcorn.com slash podcasters to sign up right now. Do it. Do it now. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. I'm your co-host, Ian. <laughs> Hang on a second. Uh, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. We want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Uh, yep, that's right. Your roles are like a D&D game with rigid-ass classes. <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited for today's uh, episode. We are doing a top five most versatile D&D classes. I'm super excited for this. Um, Been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, This is just our opinion. Um, Please yell and scream at us all you want. (laughs) Um, I think it's worth noting, too, that even the three of us went back and forth on a few of these. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just our opinion. It is... Not to be taken as a holy gospel or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, um, I'm not a D&D god, so I don't know. <laughs> if, who knows, maybe... the numbers, too, between the three of us and went from there, so... Yeah, yeah. I, and I'll talk about that shortly. <laughs> um, before we get into it, uh, you did just see our super exciting 
Kickstarter that is coming up, Capes and Crooks, utilizes the core 5e rules for the greatest role-playing game in the world that we all love. Of course, we give it a unique twist. So um, we're super excited for that to be coming on. You get to take on the role of your uh, of a superhero or a villain. <laughs> I got you covered, Murder Hobos. <laughs> and completely customize your character with unique roles origins powers and alter egos if this sounds like something that tickles your dice head on over to critacademy.com slash capes and crooks for more information now before we get into our main topic we do have more fat loot to give away compliments of sebastian Yu. yeah so fat loot giveaway today is the lake of secrets again by sebastian thank you again uh, Lake of Secrets is a dark fantasy one-shot set in a fallen kingdom after a war has ravaged the land. Designed for characters of levels 3 through 5, though of course the DM can always make it harder. Uh, the party must track down the kingdom's missing ruler and uncover a shocking tale of sacrifice. That sounds cool. <laughs> anyway, our winner today is Slade2022. Congratulations. This was a very but, uh, cool thing to read through. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. It looks awesome. Now, don't worry if you didn't win. You can just head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. It's free. It's easy. Just do it. We give two fat loots every day. It's it's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Uh, so moving on to our main topic today, the top five most versatile D&D classes. Now, uh, I preface this already. This is just our opinion, which is always 100% right. So uh, deal with yeah. it. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of start off by uh, telling you guys exactly kind of how we did this. I want you to make, know that this is based on combat prowess only and doesn't include skills. Uh, that is not yeah. one of the metrics we included in this. I do believe the Bard and the Rogue would have been at the top of the list if that was included. Our metrics are damage, defense, battlefield control, movement, and healing. Now, we did this on a scale of 1 to 5, which, if you can do basic math, you'll know that means it's a 75-point rating system. So, Mm -hmm. uh, there was some back and forth on some ties that kind of came right about the same on our rating Mm -hmm. system. Once again, this is just our opinion. Um, and we are super excited to listen to your opinions, or as so long Again. as you choose to agree with me. Uh, <laughs> and, most, and most definitely clear during, from our score, the, our debates is we didn't completely agree on everything, and right. that's okay. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, uh, versatility of the clerics is misdesigned, in my opinion. Well, we'll uh, we, we'd love to hear exactly why you think that, and we'll tell you why you may right, be right or wrong. I'm just <laughs> All right, so we, let's talk about number uh, uh, five here. Once again, our total point system is a 75-point uh, system. So coming in at number five is the Bard with 52 points. Um, the Bard is obviously something that a lot of us really, really love or really, really hate. I know in previous editions there was a lot of not so many... Uh, so much love for the, the for the class. There's also a surprising amount of stigma for bards in general. So, yeah. ah, yes, I am the bard. <laughs> I'm going to coerce a dragon into so things. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this obviously is our, to- our our number five pick. Um, we obviously got to give a good throw out to bardic inspiration. The versatility mm-hmm. that bardic inspiration brings was just too too valuable to ignore 
Um, the power level, it definitely fell a little short compared to some of the other classes offensively. I guess we should just go down the line of the the, the, yeah. the core the core features, you think? Um, maybe yep. to talk about the strongest point and the weakest point. Uh, so for the Bard, sure. it definitely fell right in the middle for battlefield control uh, at a little bit higher level. Um, I think because of um, things such as the Bardic Inspiration that allows it to... Uh, yeah. enhance the, the, the allies or punish the, the foes. That's um, something that I think is the core to it. Uh, what are some of the features you guys think that put this in one of the top, the top five spot for versatility? Oh, you so, guys touched on it earlier. Like inspiration, jack of all trades, and the fact that the various archetypes can augment the class um, in so many different ways gives you a lot of options. <laughs> Yeah, so there's, when it comes to, uh, I mean, again, Bardic Inspiration is honestly just, it really, like, we say it, yeah, but it genuinely is just that good. (laughs) Like, actually, it's, the it it involves against everything, right? So it just, it can actually just be used in virtually any situation. And on top of all of that, uh, bards also just have, uh, if you want to include damage or like reducing damage as yep. healing, it's very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, I think Justin actually rated the bard with high damage, and I'm actually curious as to why on that one. Because me and Ian um, kind of said it was a little middle on the road, but I, and, you and, gave it a five. And normally that's the case, but if you look at College of Swords or the lore and take fireball spells and stuff like that, it has uh, a multitude of uh, cla- uh, uh, archetypes that can kind of help boost that significantly. I mean, just becoming a lore bard and giving access to spells that the wizard has can easily pump up its damage to whatever level you want. Um, which I think is what really gives it uh, the potential bang for its buck. I don't think it's by by far. I don't think it's the strongest, but I think it can become a, a big power output uh, uh, class. But once again, I do think that the uh, the um, like the rogue in the pure wizard will obviously still outdo it. Mm. But I do think it has a lot of bang for its buck. The other thing I want to talk about is the the feature like counter charm. Um, while counter charm is very situational. Um, it allows them to, uh, you know, eat, um, uh, prevent them from being like manipulated in any way. Um, the other thing is the magical uh, secrets, which I mentioned for the lore. Uh, mm. the, the lore bar gets more of them, but the regular bar gets magical secrets, which basically allows you to grab any spell list, spe- spell from any spell list, which I cannot imagine anything that's more versatile than that. Yeah, that's quite literally. <laughs> exactly that so it's uh yeah it, it it's just yeah i don't know how much we, more we need to touch on the bard because that, that well, genuinely is the, last, a, a the other thing i want to talk about touch about uh, before we move on is the song arrest feature if whether you're running a, a healing good. build or not the song arrest allows you to gain extra healing during uh short rests which if you're mm-hmm. in a combat intensive game that little extra die is going to make all the difference um, over the course of an adventuring day. And I also don't want to forget that the bard is without, you know, special feats and stuff is pretty much the only one that gets vicious mockery, which um, while it doesn't do much damage, I think it is single-handedly one of the best defensive spells, especially the best defensive cantrip in the game. 
because mm-hmm. it can turn a, a nasty attack into nothing, uh, which yeah. is better than any healing potion and any healing spell, in my opinion. So uh, certainly beats cure wounds, that's for sure. So, all right, what is uh, number four here, uh, Austin? So number four, we actually had wizard. And unanimously across the board, we all agreed that the wizard has probably some of the highest damage output. Yes. Hands down. Like, it's not <laughs> we all really five. a contest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it, Meteor Storm. <laughs> yeah, Meteor Storm is ridiculous. It, has, it does, what is it, like 20 D10s or something like that? Mm-hmm. Three times. Yeah, Three times. so... Um, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I do think it's uh, worth noting the uh, the when it comes to uh, the power, uh, the power wasn't just rated in, in blanketed damage. Being able mm-hmm. to uh, cast Dominate Monster or something like that on an enemy also I would count constitute as a, a, a power and a battlefield control. But I would more rate that as strictly just battlefield. You think control, so? Because that is you're just crowd controlling it. You're you're making sure that thing doesn't move. Yeah, but I feel Which like is the wizard what is, control is. Yeah, but I think the wizard counts that as well. That they're not they're doing that damage because of something I did, right? Anyways, well, oh. yes, but that is that is actually <laughs> battlefield control. That that's part of the argument. That's why we made right, that right. spot. <laughs> so oh, do the storm. same thing as a barbarian grappling somebody, and you say hit him. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. go ahead. Oh, uh, for the record, meteor storm, twenty six fire, and twenty six bludgeoning. On four, four forty foot radius areas. Yeah, Jesus Chef man. Boy are wrecked, man. Not to mention yeah. if you cast, uh, is that the one you don't need line in a uh, sight? You just need to see where you're casting to use. Range one mile. Yeah, so you can use scry inside of a building. Yeah, and just, <laughs> and just bombard it's there them. Now. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so uh, it is worth noting that of the classes. Um, this is one of the weakest in defenses. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions. The shield spell gives you temporary uh, defense, yeah. but I wouldn't classify that as a, a hardy, sturdy defense. It's got low HP. Mm-hmm. Um, that really dropped it quite a bit in points. I really put that as a two just for that. I yeah. think it also has the lowest uh, hit points. Yeah, at uh, a D6. So Yeah, uh, so... It- it's really hard to make a, a very strong argument for saying that the wizard has many defensive options because yeah. while yes, it does have a lot of spell slots and it is capable of uh, allowing itself to survive, it really does heavily rely on other frontliners to for kind sure. of allow it to survive. And yeah. then there continue are to bump up available that, that allows them to bump up those defense options too, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can cast polymorphine yourself, for example. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, it really does well in, uh, a couple of the other areas of battlefield control for obvious reason, mind control, dominate monster, um, grease, I mean, web, I mean, they got a spell for everything. Everything. Yeah. (laughs) They got an archetype for everything for that matter. I probably should have rated that as a five the more I thought about it, but that's okay. We've already done it. So, but that's why (laughs) this discussion exists so that we can think, oh, I should have done that, but. Also, Wait, it's like, movement re- options. Let's talk about that real quick. Yes. Uh, all of, like, the, the Dimension Door, I'm pretty sure yeah. it has. It Misty has, Step. Uh, Misty Step. It has uh, all the the real big ones. Plane Shift. Uh, Plane yeah. Shift. <laughs> Plane like shift. to see a rogue do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, it, right? it has fairly good options across yeah. that area as well. Now, obviously, with its healing 
I don't really, I don't even know how many healing spells it even has unless you specifically dump into it, right? Like, really, I think for the most part, aside from Wish, obviously, the only healing they really, really get is there are some ways you can bring people back to life, which... Yeah. Do you want to... Yeah, yeah, which is fair. Uh, that is technically healing. You're bringing them back from the dead, so I could see that. But yeah, I don't know of anything else beyond that. I think that's all they really got is just like Resurrection, Revivify. I don't even know if they have Revivify. No. Or you could even you just use Wish. Yeah. Or Wish. Wish yeah. can do it, so... Um, Wish can do it. It is worth noting that it rated the lowest on healing. Because, um, you know, at least the Barbarian... Well, okay, the Barbarian's the lowest. No, one's across the, the board. Barbarian is one's across the board. <laughs> um, it yeah. doesn't have any healing uh, abilities as far as I know, so um, yeah. it just fell in. That that sort of rating brings it down is why it's at our fourth spot. So mm-hmm. um, the last thing I wanted to touch on the wizard before we uh, kind of move on was the fact that it um, it has – how do I want to word this without pissing a bunch of people off? I mean, you're probably going to, regardless. It's an opinionated list. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have a way out, buddy. Um, The other thing that I think makes it so versatile is the number of arcane traditions. And the the core of each arcane tradition is something different. Um, (laughs) And I think that gives it a lot of versatility, whether it's conjuration, divination, evocation. That little bit of stuff that you start getting at level 2 can really spread the type of character you're building. So, um, I, I definitely know, like the Chrono Mage, for example, is like, oh, you also succeed on that task. Ha, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You win. All right, let's talk about our uh, our third one there, Ian. What did we pick there? We picked the Druid. Which is actually... going to be in the top five, in my opinion, because they can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, and the Everybody. more I thought about it, the less surprising it really was, I would agree. to be honest. Because Which was just like, hmm, okay. Because of the nature of wild shape specifically, um, yes. even whether you're, I mean, obviously if you're a moon uh, a moon druid, you're going to have more of that, but just being any druid and having access to wild shape allows you to take on forms designed for speed, designed for stealth, designed for um, um, hiding you know, I said stealth already. Speed, stealth, uh, grappling, uh, brute strength, mm-hmm. you know, uh, magical resistance. You know, it, it really gives them access to just a plethora of tools that none of the other classes have uh, yes. with wild shape. Uh, so for power, it definitely fell somewhere in the middle, though it's worth noting certain uh, subclasses such as the moon one can can really spike and in, in damage in the early levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but but over- it- yeah, I was going to say, it really isn't about the damage that the druid brings to the table. It, you can already have a wizard in your party, and the damage is going to come from there. Right. What the druid does succeed in is its uh, its defensive stats, its battlefield control. Just due to the nature of wild shape, uh, you also have a plethora of movement options. Eventually, you're going to be able to fly, you're able to swim, you're able to breathe underwater. And it has healing spells that are honestly pretty potent yep. <laughs> even so it really does succeed in the other four categories Cover, covers all bases basically yeah i had a really hard time trying to think of anything that uh in terms of just what the druid because like in terms of versatility that's why i rated all three of those as fives which is surprised me because i'm looking back but uh the fact that uh, wild shape is just 
it can allow it to just tank really well. Uh, it can also allow it to grapple many things if it needs to, or to have other spells that it can use to kind of control the battlefield in a less damaging way, of course, but sure. it'll at least keep it in it contained. And then, uh, again, with the movement where it can just do so many things, right. <laughs> it, it's really hard to... I mean, true. Uh, like, I could, I would argue without question that Moon Joys at level 20 make the best tanks in the game, because yes, a wild shape every single turn <laughs> and gives me something helpful. Yes, it's <laughs> just very, elemental. like, wow. <laughs> and... I think that the, the, the big thing to take away from the, the Druid's versatility, uh, beyond just its its wild wild shape, is the fact that it's still a pure caster as well. So it has access to a pretty large spell list, especially mm-hmm. when you look at the categories for like uh, crowd control or battlefield control, between Absolutely. things like spike growth and fog. Um, yes. You really, you really can dominate the enemies without even doing damage and making it pretty terrible experience for your foes. Uh, and at the same time, tossing out a healing word to your allies to keep them up and then shape-shifting into a bear or something once you've got them tied up. I mean, you literally can cover all three roles in one yeah. one encounter if you want, uh, which yeah. really puts it uh, <laughs> pretty high up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and the, the archetype you choose, I believe... Probably it just makes those... how you play your druid too. Yeah, it... or something some other classes. Right. What? So what I would like to put as an analogy, I guess, for this is, or not an analogy, but more of like an observation, is that for certain classes, such as like maybe the fighter, it's subclasses. You you have to typically sacrifice one thing to make one other thing stronger. With druid, sure. just add a base. You're already so strong, so the subclass just bumps you up. It's not a detriment. You just have something that's better. <laughs> um, you don't feel like you're losing out on too much, which I think is, in, in my opinion, I guess. I'm not super knowledgeable in druids, I yeah, guess, but this, that's how I feel about it. This derails a little bit, but I want to answer it because I feel like it's very pertinent. Uh, Mark uh, Jansen asks, where do you draw the line between many abilities, multiclassing, and dilution of specialization? Honestly, I don't think you need to draw a line. That's what the person's choosing to give up. If Mm -hmm. you're choosing to build the ultimate, most versatile class, but giving up your higher level powers and uh, capstone abilities in order to do that, you're choosing to do that because you wish to have this other thing instead of what is given to you by the class. And I don't think that you have to draw a line to say, you know, uh, that's it. It's diluted. Um, cause mm-hmm. in, 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 I, I can see some people, one of the biggest, uh, issues I see with, uh, people's complaints in multiclassing is that, oh, it doesn't fit the, fit the, the story or whatever. Dude, D and D doesn't see, the characters don't see classes. They see, no, they don't, they see professions. So if you multiclass into cleric and paladin and warlock and, and druid, maybe you're just a golden boy who went and studied all around the world and learned these cool techniques, you know? And also made a pact, but we'll just we'll discard that. Well, whatever. Uh, the point is, is that you don't. I don't. I personally don't feel like you need to draw that line. Um, no. You're choosing to to take this other feature for whatever reason in mm-hmm. place of something else, and you also lose the access to potentially access to ability score increases. So there's punishments well as, um, built in for that higher trade-off. abilities from from one class. Yeah. 
Yes. So, because there is limitations. Anyways, that was a short uh, D thing, but I thought it was a, a good question and worth, since we're talking about versatility, that was worth touching on a little bit. Um, yep. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was uh, the Druid ranked at, uh, what, number three? Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to talk about number two, and this honestly came to us as, as a surprise to me, um, the Paladin. So, uh, yeah, the Paladin <laughs> walked off with fours across the board for power, uh, for damage, because obviously, uh, smite fuel Light. is, is there's no denying Light. that stacking smites is, is yeah. a potent combination, uh, even if it is only for a short period of time. Um, I mean, you run out, but during that brief time. Right. And, and once again, we didn't, we kept, we kept a nice high level thousand foot view in our analysis when we were doing this, because obviously you can't take every build, everything into consideration, but there's yes. a few things that paladins do really well. They smite a whole hell of a lot. They can, they can walk through enemies like a freight train, uh, their yes, heavy ass can. armor and their auras and shit. They can just demolish totally demolish the enemies um and the fact that they also get fighting styles makes them that much more versatile because now you can choose between uh, a sword and shield and a great sword and there's mechanical benefits to it uh which yes. i think is in my opinion was a very core uh reason why i thought that this class deserved to be towards the top um even if you just take paladins at a baseline without the subclasses the aura of protection, if you have a high charisma paladin with aura of protection, they, your entire party basically just gains a plus five to all their saving throws. Every saving right. throw, including the paladin, who has high AC already. <laughs> Which is insane. Right. And, and it is proven extremely effective when we did our Descent into Avernus campaign, mm -hmm. where it was pretty hard for us to kind of lose to a saving throw, even in stats that we weren't yeah, even particularly you strong in. It was pretty, and even though like you can have multiple paladins and it doesn't stack, it just means that you guys can be spread apart, a lot and now farther. you have still these bonuses, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, going shoot, at if you went tanky, look at the Oath of the Ancients. Like, mm -hmm. big gain in the ability as part of the archetype saying, oh, you hit me with a spell? I take half damage b before rolling the save. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is their the defensive capabilities are absurd, and of course you can just take the defensive fighting style just to bump that AC up by one more just for fun for your DM. So that actually leads me to the next thing I want to talk about is the Paladins. Uh, we gave it a pretty good rating in battlefield control. Now I know why I did that because I think uh, banishing smite and banishment or whatever are just amazingly powerful battlefield control because you can instantly remove an enemy from the battlefield. So obviously it made sense to give them... What, what What reasons did you guys give them high battlefield control? Uh, so for me personally, uh, I think Command is an extremely good level 1 spell. I think it is crazy, because there's a lot of just one word, English words out there, that can make your opponents do some very silly things. And even depending on the situation, so say a dragon rider, for instance, if you tell that man to jump while he's flying through the air on a dragon, he is no longer on that dragon. <laughs> he is going to fall. Yeah, that happened in our game. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> yeah. I regret nothing. <laughs> and I did that on when we were doing the whole Mad Max through Descent in mm -hmm. Avernus, where yep. I told the guy to jump from his motorcycle car, and he... 
the car's been out of control because there's no one manning it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. What so about that's you, a very Ian? good spell. I mean, does the Oath of the Lone can give you some additional like uh, spells like Sanctuary, Sleep, Calm Emotions, Hold Person, Hold Monster, Wall of Force? <laughs> and yeah. that was just from one Oath in particular, Oath of Redemption. And yeah, access to other things. The other spells, too, that help, uh, you know, restrain enemies, buff allies. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also, the healing, I well, guess we can I don't want to get to that yet. Uh, oh, no? Okay. I, I had one more point where I thought battlefield control is good, and I touched on it briefly with fighting style, but the, um, the protection uh, fighting style gives it a lot a of um, uh, battlefield control because it basically says, hey, sure, you can attack this guy, but you're going to have disadvantage, um, yes. which I, I consider that's not as much of like a traditional control, but uh, mm -hmm. a way of punishing the player, the enemy for not for a targeting, yes. targeting somebody else instead of the paladin, as well as they can grapple just uh, pretty damn good. Not quite as good as a barbarian or a fighter. But usually with strength being one of their higher stats, uh, makes them mm -hmm. easily able to lock down a, an enemy. Okay, now we can go to healing. <laughs> well, I guess we'll... Before we go to healing, <laughs> there is one more thing we all kind of agreed on on the Paladin. They can't move very well. <laughs> they don't... Which is one of the downfalls of Paladin. Yeah, they basically I, have I their... Step, they but... basically have regular movement speed, and then mm -hmm. I think there's one or two class... Uh, um, oaths that give it Misty Step, yeah. but that's not enough to warrant uh, a high mobility. No, uh, Plus, yeah. it has disadvantage. They usually will have disadvantage on stealth checks, too, which aren't so super great. Mm -hmm. All right, now healing. <laughs> so, immediately, Lay on Hands yes. uh, is basically five times whatever your level is, and that's how much you can heal somebody. And it only takes disease. one to bring somebody back into the game. Uh, and that's, like, yeah. we, we, we just played level five, and... Uh, uh, Stella Nova had her med pack, which is essentially lay on hands, and mm -hmm. was able to nearly bring you up to, to uh, uh, half your health with it without having any resources. So when you run yes. out of spell slots to heal, you can be like, well, I'm going to be more reserved. Oh, you fall down, I'm going to slap you awake. Boom, you're up one hit point. And you can just keep doing that. And that makes it, level yeah, five. it makes it a very <laughs> potent heal ability. I'm not talking, when I say potent, I'm not saying, oh, big heals. No, man, getting somebody up is oh, yeah. way, way more valuable than oh, um, healing another just person. Gave a point for why I rated like to move a little bit higher fine speed. Yeah. speed. Okay, yeah, I, oh, yeah. you're right. No, that's yeah. something I forgot I about. That. Is that unique to the Paladin? Or is there no, that's unique yep. to the Paladin, isn't it? So there is a, a, a spell the option there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't uh, see that. I, like, like, I remember that, but I forgot. But anyway. Anyway, so... And I think, let's be real here. Land hand's probably going to be the main way for a paladin's going to be healing anyway, because, let's face it, all those spells, they're going to be smite fuel. Yeah, but that's also, generally how it is, but... And uh, when they start getting third level spell slots, guess what they have? Revivify! So even if somehow... By some miraculous ability from your DM, they finally got rid of all those Leon Hand stuff, you know, mm -hmm. points. But you still have a third level spell slot. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you, you kept just in case, you know. And then you're like, oh, you look at your best friend who's down right there and you're like, I bring him back from the dead. And the, your DM looks at you and he's like, 
I worked so hard to make sure this man failed all three of his death saves after you brought him back 15 times, and now I have to kill him again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very just, yeah. Oh, it really is only available only for paladins. Okay, so. I, I didn't know and that. Like, and Fine Grigor Steed includes Griffins, Pegasuses, Rhinoceros, Sabletooth Tiger, Dire Wolf. Is it Pegasi? Is. <laughs> and what is a group know, of Pegasi? Is it a flock? Huh. Anyways, I don't know. the questions that plague me at night. So, okay, uh, <laughs> I think we touched on that pretty good. Um, a lot of good points there. Um, once again, everyone, we're looking at this from a, a, a very high level. Um, this mm. isn't... Uh, this is just our opinion. Uh, it's not the godsend or whatever. But um, you're, yeah. and if you're wondering, hey, I've noticed there's no uh, non-spellcasters. Because let's be honest, spellcasting just makes all the classes more versatile. That's why they didn't fit on this line. Though we did talk about, because we didn't include skills, right? Um, I definitely feel like Bard and the Rogue would have been near the top if we included skills. Uh, and it is worth mentioning, though, that there was a three-way tie between Wizard, Bard, and Fighter. Yep. The fighter did I, make it surprisingly high. I know, list. right? <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, so, uh, but we'll touch on that if we can. Let's talk about number one. Were you guys surprised to see that it was the cleric at all? No. no. Yeah, me neither. After I looked at it, I was like, oh, that just that's going to be at the top. As soon as I started writing them out, I was like, that's going to be at the top. So the cleric cool. is our number one. This one came in with, what, 58 points? Yeah, uh, 57. 57. 57 out of 75 points because it covers a lot of ground. Um, the most obvious thing being the fact that it its domains cover every aspect of the game as far as I can tell. If you want to be, a, so. if you want to be a wizard in heavy armor, boom, be an Ar uh, Arcana domain cleric. Do you want to be a nature druid guy, but you still want to wear heavy armor? Be a nature domain cleric. <laughs> Do you want to be a person who fights for peace and justice? Be a peace domain cleric with big weapons. Uh, how Do you want to be a rogue, <laughs> but at the same time, you still want to be a cleric? There's the trickery domain. <laughs> yes, there's literally a domain yes. that fills every single role. Did you um, want to be a paladin, but at the same time you still want in ninth level spells? There's the war domain. <laughs> like it's for that matter, the light just... domain. Yeah, and the light one. Yeah. So there's so this really ended oh. up being at the very <laughs> top for the most obvious reasons. It really the has a domain forever. Yeah. What else do you need to know? And they work really, really well when it comes to filling any slot, any role. I would. I was kind of sad because honestly, I think uh, on a combat to combat uh, and adventure to adventure basis, I actually think the druid is better because it can change in between adventures. But when you're filling out your character and you decide you want to uh, fill out a different role, this class has it. Um, now, let's talk about uh, um, one of the other things that makes it super versatile. The cantrips. Holy crap. There, yes. are, there are cantrips <laughs> for everything. <laughs> whether it's yeah. damage, whether it's light, whether it's protection, whether it's enhancing skills, um, whether it's avoiding damage. I mean, there's literally a cantrip for everything um, that the mending, putting things back together when they're broke. I mean, um, it makes them once again, just versatile. They have it all. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they literally have it all. <laughs> Is there any particular features you guys think that really just make them versatile besides their uh, cantrips and their uh, domains? 
get some some spells that other classes, for the most part, so we just don't get. Uh, guidance or not guidance? Uh, guidance, guiding bolt, guiding bolt. Guiding not bolt. only does it do great ass damage, but then helps somebody else whip the thing's ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can play D offensive magic and support with one spell, uh, and I think that's the only only cl- class that gets that right. Well, other classes can get it. Okay. You have to make the specific choices to get it. Ah, gotcha, so, gotcha. I just want to point out that in case you really want to just drive home, the cleric is just sometimes just a more magic heavy. They still have smites. Uh, some of the subclasses at level 8 have the ability to just deal extra damage to offset uh, not having extra attack. But some of them can still get extra attack. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think the Forge Domain deals extra fire damage and has extra attack. Which, I mean, fire damage, sure, but, like, I just... It's something that's just, like, even in the damage compartment, which is, you would think, where its weaker side is, which admittedly it is. Right. Well, Forge still... Domain doesn't get extra attack, but they do get extra damage, but to, to be fair, every archetype gets extra damage. It's just a different type, depending on what the archetype is. Right, yeah. right. The, uh, yeah, I thought I did. That was my mistake. What is the level eight ability they get? They get the divine, divine strike or something. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. It's, so that uh, definitely that awe is designed to offset not getting extra attack. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is still very good because that just means you just don't even have to roll for it. It just it's part of your damage. Which yeah. I mean, the let's other be honest, they have a decent amount. <laughs> the other thing is cool is the variety in their channel divinities. Um, which do recharge on a short rest, so you can get quite a bit of use out of those. Whether it's the simple turn on dead or whatever, uh, turn on dead or whatever uh, channel divinity that does a plethora of different things. I think Im- uh, invoke duplicity if you're the trickery domain is just really awesome. Also, they get it for more than once, unlike the paladin, because I think it's based on their wisdom. Right? <laughs> yes, I so, believe so. Not only is it strong, they can also do it. Many times a day. Uh, do we talk about the? They're pretty good in saves too. They got some of the better saves. If I'm uh, wisdom and uh, yeah, charisma? charisma, yeah, yeah, two uh, very good saves. Yeah. So, um, so all they right. likely won't get charmed or anything. Is there anything you guys want to give as an honor uh, honorary mention uh, for combat versatility? Life domain cleric, best healer in the game. What's that? Life domain cleric. Domain cleric, best healer in the game. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah we didn't touch on healing. Yeah, they heal. Clerics heal a lot. I mean, they yeah. can even turn that stupid uh, 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 good berry into a freaking sensu bean. <laughs> I multi-class. I ran a druid one time. It took a one-level dip into cleric mm-hmm. for that very reason. Yep, and that you know what? It was worth it. I bet. It was <laughs> sensu bean. So, four hit points. So, uh, four versatility. Yeah, defense, they're solid and. As one of our guys mentioned in chat, I still remember to this day at level one where I ran a forged domain cleric. The DMS was a twenty hit. Oh wait, what do you mean no? <laughs> I said no, boy. Uh, what were you going to say, Austin? Twenty-one. I do want to give a level shout out one? to the rogue real quick about its defense because I know you guys said threes and I said four, and the reason I said four was because between evasion and uh, uncanny dodge, it really does just eat just so much damage that it can just kind of like either cut in half or completely ignore right, which I right. wanted to kind of shout that out along with its high damage so even though it doesn't gain the most hit points because obviously sure. it's a rogue it's not going to um, it still has uh, the ability to kind of stay in the front line and kind of 
still do fairly okay, but it can get overrun. Yeah, for admit. sure. In the... And and it's worth noting they 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 excel in a lot of things. Mobility being one, um, damage, um, and that mm-hmm. they do only a couple things really well, but they do it really really well. Yeah, um, and of course, once like again, their battlefield control they don't. Yeah, they don't have that shit. unless you got maybe manacles or something, but that doesn't stop end-level bosses, right. so... Alright, uh, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Top 5 oh. most versatile classes in D&D. We uh, forgot a huge, huge ability of, of the Cleric. What's that? Divine Intervention. Oh, of course! Oh, yeah, I forgot about the instant win button. <laughs> <laughs> Save if they manage me. to roll well... They, the gods literally themselves kind of come down, part point the their finger on the problem, and go, problem solved. Uh, and level 20, it just works. Once a week, mind you, but it works. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, uh, Mark says if you step back from combat versatility um, and look at other things to avoid combat, there are bad. We are well aware that there are classes that are just far superior outside of the battle situation and avoiding yes. it and, and solving problems. That wasn't the focus of this, um, particularly, um, because we actually discussed once again before the show started that the rogue and the bard would probably be at the top positions because of expertise and um, jack of all trades, uh, jack of all and... trades and stuff. So there mm-hmm. are classes, but the, we wanted to make this. The thing that a lot of people, unfortunately, care more about is these stats versus the skills. Though I almost added skills as a section. I think I wanted to save that for something later. So, anyways. For that matter, too, like the Artificer's bonuses to various crafting abilities, too. Or their infusions. Or for that matter, the Warlock's invocations, too. (laughs) Yes. All right. That'll do it for our our main topic today. Top five versatile classes for D&D. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. <laughs> uh, Mark, you la- make me laugh. He says, there are only a few ways to run magic in reality. There is no magic in reality. <laughs> oh no, science is sometimes... Might magic. as well be magic, right? Who, who made their quote that to a uh, sufficient uh, to a uh, sufficiently sufficiently advanced science to those that don't understand it is indistinguishable from magic or some spiel like that? All right, who Something wants to take like the character that. concept? Usually, it's Ian. Ian. All right. Ian. Our character concept today is Allison Glitterpot. Hell no. <laughs> Description: He is armored to the teeth in gleaming plate mail with gilded edges. Yep, that's right. Gilded. A flowing blue cape and mantle trimmed with soft black waves gently flowing in the breeze. He's physically well built, has shaved his head bald. He tends to wear goggles to shield his eyes. Alright. Personality, he dislikes all random violence that take place in the kingdom. He is ready at a moment's notice to give into his darker urges when necessary. He's a real pyromaniac, I can get behind that, and does not care who the fire hurts. He also ends up burning people alive in the fires that he starts. Ugh. Don't forget the slides. Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. If you'd send them history, to me before two minutes before the show starts. He was born in a frontier town, living a normal and happy childhood. Became part of the deadliest team of mercenaries in recent memory after a small town was destroyed due to, to the actions of some careless adventurers. Or monsters, depending on your perspective. A botched job causes the group to be disbanded. Being a carpenter, 
He kept his interest for a while, but then became depressed and bored. So he turned to a secret life of crime and adventuring, taking increasingly more risks and challenges. Motivation? He's greedy. He takes revenge on those who would do those who destroy his home. Hey. So he's like a very chaotic, neutral character. He's not necessarily evil, but I'd be hard pressed to say he's good. <laughs> Actually, had a couple, a couple uh, people say in chat, "Is this the pyro from Team Fortress 2? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty simple character. I like it. Um, right and straight and to the point. Do you guys have any comments on it? I don't know. I call that a win. Oh, yeah, honestly, that works. <laughs> It's just, it's good. So what do you guys think of the, the new layout for the character concepts? Or do you like the paragraph form where we have more discussion about it? Or do you like it being well-defined? I think it being well-defined works fine. Only reason being is because then we can comment on specific parts should one stand out. But in this case, uh, it is a very, it's not necessarily like it's a bad character. It's just, it feels very easy to implement, yeah. I guess, in this case. Because now sure. we have like what he does, what happened to him, what he's doing now, that kind of thing. Yeah, And that so. was kind of the hope. That way make it easier for uh, NPC or PC. So, alright, yes. that'll do it for our character concept, Alistin Glitterpods. Moving on to our monster variant, we have the Ashni Sarpa. So, for the stat block, you're going to use the Salamander and you're going to lose the a couple of the features, you're going to change heated body, becomes crackling body. Heated weapons becomes crackling weapons. Basically change anything that does fire damage to lightning damage. Right? Uh, I want, fun. Yeah, I wanted to build this kind of uh, lightning, like, you know, the long Chinese dragons. I want, I'm envisioning something like that. Maybe a little mm -hmm. bit of an eel mixed in. Electric eel mixed in. Uh, so the a few of the new features you're going to give it is the melee weapon attack is going to now do slashing and lightning, and the creature it hits can't take reactions until the end of its next turn. Ooh, that's no good. Limiting reactions can F up everything. It also allows the player to get play, uh, the enemy to get in and get out without uh, provoking op attacks, which is super useful. Um, yep. We're going to give it a couple new legendary actions. I know it's a, low le uh, a lower level monster. I think, what, like a CR, like three or four or five, whatever. Um, but these are going to be really fun. You're going to give it the... Yeah, five, actually. The Arshni Sarpa. The Ashni Sarpa. Uh, Ashni Sarpa uh, can take three legendary actions, choosing from the following below. Shocking escape. The Ashni Sarpa uses disengage action. The area the Ashni Sarpa moves through is covered in lightning until the end of the Ashni Sarpa's next turn. Any creature who enters the area or starts his turn there takes 1d8 lightning damage. Now we've got a monster that can affect the the environment, changing the mm -hmm. battle strategy of the players on the fly every time it moves. Combining that with the fact that when it strikes, they can't take reactions means a lot of movement is involved here. Um, mm -hmm. Then you're going to have uh, Shocking Aura. The uh, Ashni Sarpa, or Discharge Aura is what I think I was going to call it. Uh, Discharge Aura. In the Discharge Aura, it's... Uh, oh, shit. Where'd that go? All right, there we go. I think it's called Blast Aura here, but uh, the the Ashni Sarpa violently discharges stored lightning. Creatures within 10 feet of the Ashni Sarpa must make a deck save uh, of 13 and or take 2d6 lightning damage on a failed or half as much on a successful. After using this legendary action, the Ashni Sarpa's crackling body trait is inactive for two uh, 1d3 rounds. 
What do you guys think about this? Okay. I mean, very versatile enemy. I think I'd get fun to throw down with this thing. Yeah. What about you, Austin? I, I like... Well, one, I like lightning creatures, because that's always fun. But Certainly your jams. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the ability to make something lose its reaction as like a regular basic attack is something very strong. So if you have like a rogue in the party, they're going to want to steer clear of this because that'll take away one of its strongest defensive options, which is negating half the damage. So yep. I think that's something that it can uh, it can tango with very well. So that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I is wanted... it going to be keeping its uh, vulnerability to cold or... What's that? No, it's, it's not. Be... It gets... Uh... Uh, what is it? Immune? It becomes immune, uh, resistant to lightning. I guess I didn't touch on that. Uh, yeah. Little things like that. Try not to get too into it. So it loses its uh, lightning or its uh, resistance to cold. Is it resistance or immunity? Uh, no, vulnerability to cold. Oh yeah, it'll lose that because it doesn't have. It. We'll give it. And uh, oh. it's also. So. I guess it's uh. It's also immune fire and resists bludgeoning, piercing, and slash from non-magical. <laughs> yeah. Change what you think yeah. makes sense. I try to keep it simple and not get into all the nitty-gritty. Uh, anyway, right. so the other thing that I wanted to focus on with this was the fact that it's designed for high-mobility battle. Um, mm -hmm. Your players are going to chase it around. Uh, it's going to avoid them the best of its ability, leaving a dangerous trail of crackling lightning like one of those uh, floors in... Uh, in uh, like a trap room when you're trying to get into a vault or something. So, right. Definitely uh, something I'm excited to use and uh, toss at you guys. So, All right, that'll <laughs> do it for our monster variant, the Ashni Sarpa. Austin, would you like to tell us about the encounter? Absolutely. So the encounter of the podcast is the Bazaar of the Four Elements. Now, the Bazaar of the Four Elements is gathering. Merchants are converging from all corners of the realm to sell their wares. This event can occur in any major city the characters may be heading to or using a base of operations. During the events this time, it's not just shady characters and risky trades. This year, the magical flying storm giant tower has landed, bringing oh. their magical crystals and... Good? You're good. Okay. And amazing movement skills to savvy traders and daring adventurers alike. While the characters experience the thrill of trade and haggling, they are approached by Jom Gemstone, a dwarf commoner. <laughs> uh, a character that's a dwarf has a proficiency in jeweler's tools or makes a successful DC 18 intelligence history check instantly identifies Jom as a prestigious jewels crafter. Uh, Jom is looking for somebody to take on a job for him. Jom tells the characters that Nearest, the cloud giant that owns and runs the tower, is one of the biggest, largest, or one of the largest thriving crime lords in the land. Biggest, because he's a giant. Ha! Uh, he travels under the guise of trade, but his teams often pull off thieving jobs while in the town. Uh, Jom indicates that he already let the locals know, and they've hired extra guards and adventurers to protect those in the area. Last time the tower made a trade stop in Jom's house of Durnbor Newell. They stole his most precious piece of work right out from under his nose. He knows it's in the castle and wants to hire the adventurers to retrieve it. If the characters accept, they are to initiate a skill challenge to make their way to into the tower and locate the gem known as the Azure Sky. The characters must achieve ten successes before gaining five failures. And that's the encounter. What do you guys think? It is... I like the idea of a skill challenge of going in and just barging in and killing everyone in sight. 
I think a skill challenge is a little bit better suited for an event like this. Yes, uh, I wanted to do a, a high style encounter because there's not a whole lot of those. Um, and this was definitely a good way to do that. And I wanted something that made sense. And what would be, if you were to be a criminal organization who steals and, and trades in, you know, sketchy goods and shit, you would definitely want a mobile fortress. And what better disguise than a being, you know, part of this big trade organization? What do you think, Ian? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Man of many words. <laughs> I definitely like the overall aspect of economics being in there too. All right. Because you don't see like a jewel trade going on very much either. So yeah, and that's Fair I think enough. that'll give an opportunity for the characters that have collected all the random jewel trinkets and shit that they get to actually you know go in and get actual some role playing done and trading. So definitely something mm -hmm. fun, black market type stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, that'll do it for our encounter, the Bazaar of the Four Elements. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Our magic item comes from the Book of Wonders Magic by M.T. Black, Dawn Shield. The shield that requires attunement. This glittering round shield is embossed with an image of the sun, radiating golden streaks of light. If you hold this item, you have a plus one bonus to AC in addition to the shield's normal bonus. While holding it, you can use its command word as an action, causing a burst of golden light to extend from you in the 16-foot cone. Each creature in the area that can see must succeed on a DC-15 con saving throw or become blinded for one minute. That's nasty. Find a creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Once you have used the property of the shield, you can't use it again until next dawn. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. What do you guys think about this? I thought this was dope as hell. It's a plus three AC shield that has a blinding light attached to it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm about it. I love it. Very Paladin-esque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the name fits perfect. Feel the power of my Dawn Shield! <laughs> uh, I like it. It's really straightforward. I wanted something that fit kind of our, our, our theme. Um, and the top of the Cleric and the Paladin being two of the the, the the more versatile class, having an item in there that kind of reflected that, I thought would be really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Reflected. No, no whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> uh, and plus, the Book of Wondrous Items by uh, uh, Wondrous Magic by M.D. Black is phenomenal. Excuse if you me. haven't picked it up, you need to check it out. He is one of the DM's Guild adepts and does amazing work. So, mm -hmm. all right. With that, we will move on to our Dungeon Master tip. Our Dungeon Master tip here today is Downtime Manager. Now, let's be honest, we all grow attached to our D&D characters and wish we could adventure with our party more often than time allows. If you could take your character with you and still interact with the DM and your party between adventures, like an RPG version of Tamagotchi, would you want to do it? I know I would. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the Downtime Manager. It is actually an app you can get for your phone that your DM can set up activities for your characters and uh, to pursue after the dragon has been defeated or before the quest begins leading up to it. Basically, it um, allows your character to use their downtime uh, and basically play a little D&D &D away from the table. Uh, this Does your character research spells? Um, do you need an axe? Do you have an axe to be forged? 
um, maybe a skill, skill to learn, right? Uh, with a few minutes per day checking in on your status updates and everything, you can actually collaborate with the members of your party and kind of coordinate and combine your different resources to um, things of things to do in between, you know, little adventures, which I think is really, really cool. Um, I definitely recommend checking out the Downtime Manager, this comprehensive tool to manage downtime sessions, which is something I didn't think we had yet. Um, and I thought that this was a really, really neat tool. Uh, using the tabletop companion app, the DM and the party cr create characters, run and manage your activities and between adventures. And I just thought it was really cool. What do you guys think of that? That's so we see. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I think it solves a lot of the issues that uh, that D and D tends to run into. Is no one wants to role play downtime? Really, yep. they want to just kind of push the story forward, right? Because they want to be as efficient as they can with their time, because they know they only For have sure. so much before the session ends. Uh, this just kind of says, like, hey, just do this when we're not doing that. <laughs> right. And. Uh, really puts it in like a comprehensive uh easy to use thing considering i could just do it on my phone so right cool. for sure uh and i do think some groups will get more out of this than others because i can oh. see some caring about this way more but oh, i sure. think mm -hmm. for those of you groups who do want it here you go absolutely absolutely i agree and once again that's what that's there for and it makes it easy if it's on your phone because everyone always has their phone so most times yes even when you're on the toilet more yeah. so when I'm on the toilet. I go out of my way to get my yeah. phone if I'm going to go to the toilet. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's weird just being in the toilet and just kind of sitting there like, oh, that's uh, a nice wall I'm looking at. All right. That'll do it for our DM tip, <laughs> Downtime Manager. Check it out. You can find a link on our show notes at CritAcademy.com. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude with this awesome uh, little trick here. Knock, knock. Who's there? It burns! <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, don't have Chipotle before the show. I am uh, a huge fan of Home Alone, so it was a matter of time. It was only a matter of time for this came to mind. Sometimes the best surprises are those ones that the uh, you aren't expecting as a DM or even a player uh, sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. And... This combination will brand you for life. Heat Metal in it is a powerful spell in and of its own right. Not only does it allow you to basically target uh, uh, manufactured metal objects, but it also lasts up to a minute. In and of itself, it's already pretty potent, right? Yep. Uh, but what if we could use it to damage an enemy even before combat started? Taking a, no no uh, a note from my boy Kevin in Home Alone... You can cast heat metal on a doorknob, then use the mage hand to from a distance and knock on the door. All the players ready their weapons and spells and wait for the door to open, and then they loose all their attacks. But the kicker is, if the door is heated up, as soon as they touch it, they take 2d4, uh, uh, 2d8 damage, assuming they're not casted at a higher level. It's mm -hmm. possible a an enemy will die at the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah! which i just think is hilarious oh my gosh yep. like okay guys we're gonna get him here ah! <gasps> bill bill what happened <laughs> why is he dead <laughs> he just touched the door and he's dead that's funny <laughs> whole body engulfs in flame or what something. do you guys think about this 
this It'd really be definitely fun. Yeah, this really is just like your your stand, like your home alone kind of like. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna booby trap the place. No one's ever gonna get to me. <laughs> Basically, well, I mean, it only lasts a minute, but when you're ready to go in a door and you know there's enemies behind it, it is awesome. I also like to touch with mage hands, going. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like what about you, lot. Ian? The door knob is not just the only option either. Like a right. gate, armor, for sure. Floor in some cases. Oh, I didn't even think about a floor. Oh, that's nice. That's oh my hot. god. <laughs> that's, that's hot. <laughs> that's horrifying. I just think of like a like inside like a giant's mountain where like the whole you know floor is just gridded as metal and you just right. touch it and now the whole thing is lava. <laughs> the floor is lava. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. All that's awesome. right. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. You avoid dickitude by playing knock knock who's there. With Heat Metal and uh, Mage Hand. Uh, before we close out today, we have another uh, gift to give away. Compliments of our boy, uh, or our sponsor, Milos Gawecki. Austin, oh. that's your cue. Oh, is it mine? Okay. Oh, wait, no. Wait, no, is it Ian? should be Ian. Ian, yeah. go. Alright, this bundle of supplements with character options is inspired by Lovecrafting horror tropes in the Far Realm. Include our subclasses, our race, spells, magic items, and more. It's the Far Touch. Those who lost the madness and they come from beyond the stars. Nice. And the winner today is GM Grumpy. Woo! Do you think he's really win? grumpy? Win? Not a problem. Head over to CritAcademy.com subscribe for your chance to win and get our other free stuff. Yes. We give away lots of free stuff. We also got lots of goodies to enhance your D&D game. Um, lots. Please join us on our next episode. We're going to be discussing Capes and Crooks, a 5e superhero RPG. If you don't know it, we just finished our playtest adventure and had a lot of fun doing so. So we're going to talk about our upcoming Kickstarter, Capes and Crooks, how we manage uh, the development process behind the uh, game and how it separates itself, not just from the 5e setting, but also from some of the core mechanics. Um, and how it also embraces the majority of those mechanics to make for a very super adventure. We really hope you guys will come and join us, uh, ask questions about the development process, uh, maybe even give us questions of things we hadn't thought about so we can improve uh, moving forward. So I agree. If you enjoy the... I don't usually read that, do I? If you enjoy the show today and want to support us, visit us at GridAcademy.com. You can follow us on social media such as YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or I think that's really the main three we kind of focus on nowadays. So Mm -hmm. go there. Uh, It's fun. Uh, We post memes sometimes. A little more often I probably should. Yeah, a little more often nowadays, but that's okay. We we have fun here. We're almost 8,500 followers on Facebook, so that's exciting. And we just passed 82 hundred on uh tiktok so uh yeah oh yeah tiktok follow us there too that's great we yeah. love that stuff i love my one minute <laughs> reviews uh that's another thing at youtube now we have one minute videos you can go watch uh they're very short so they're all helpful tips and all of our little encounters and stuff that we do compressed into a minute i am your mm-hmm. host justin i'm your co-host austin i'm your co-host Ian. thanks for listening keep your blades sharp and spells prepared hero